is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree <laughs> on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio, with thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Let's talk with uh, Alan Horton. He is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are down to about 25 games remaining in the season, still tied for first place in the Western Conference at 40 and uh, 17. Uh, they're long all-star breaks these days, Alan. Sometimes it can be a little tricky to kind of find your rhythm right away coming out of the break. That's been kind of the case for the Wolves, at least offensively, the last two nights. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, I really feel like the Wolves are pretty fortunate to come away with a, a split in those first two games after the All-Star break. No no shame in losing to Milwaukee, but they didn't play very well against Brooklyn in both games. Their offense just never really clicked in, uh, except for a, 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 about a seven- or eight-minute stretch in the fourth quarter against Brooklyn, which allowed them to win that game. But, um, you know, they their offense was clicking before the All-Star break, and yeah. then a week off really uh, threw things out of whack, and it's um, it's all about trying to get that offensive rhythm back now. Yeah, February had been terrific for them. I mean, I think they had risen to, what, number one for about a 10-game stretch in offensive rating there. It was Ball was moving, shots were going in. Yeah, they really, it had kind of sunk in about the way they need to play and how you um, you have great talent in, in Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, who are the two main scorers on the team, and how you balance their scoring with moving the basketball, trusting the offense, um, you know, keeping the turnovers low, being sure with the basketball, um, and, and the Wolves were really in a good stretch. Yeah, top five offense for a 10-game ten, stretch there. And, yeah, some of it came against some lesser opponents like Portland, but, um, you know, you got to take care of business against those teams too. And one thing the Wolves did, again, were low turnovers, good shot selection, trusting the basketball, not a lot of zero pass or one pass possessions, working second side. You know, when the ball goes to one side, the floor coaches always want to see it move around, get to the second side, go inside, to go back outside, all those type of things which make defenses work. And the more you make a defense work, the more you're going to result in an, in an open shot somewhere from one of the guys. And so it doesn't always have to be Ant or Cat. And truthfully, I think Ant and Cat realized that, you know, they, they could score 40 each a night, but that's not going to win you games. What's winning games is when you get Jaden McDaniels involved, when Mike Conley knocks down three or four made threes, um, when, you, when you get Rudy Gobert getting double-doubles, um, when you get contributions off the bench. That's, that's always where an offense is more dangerous. Um, yeah, you can have some big nights by some individual guys, but but over the long haul, boy, you'd love that consistency up and down the lineup. I, I love listening to Mike Conley. He's just a sharp guy, and and he'll you know he'll tell it like it is without calling guys out by name. He talked this week about habits and breaking habits, and guys got into habits and became great players because of those. But it has to be different in the team atmosphere a little bit. Now I'm paraphrasing some there, but what do you mm-hmm. think he's he's referencing there? Some of what you just talked about, I'm sure. But yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, Todd, is just honestly, it's um I, I think Ant and Cat are, are in all star mode still. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's a completely different mindset where you just uh, that game isn't the game of basketball that we that we all uh, watched the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. The All Star Game is this this I don't even know what it is. It's yeah. some sort of exhibition where everybody's just trying to score and get to 250 points. I I, I guess we're going to get there one of these days. I, <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm not a huge fan of the All Star Weekend. I don't. It's a big showcase that doesn't really put the product on display. I love mm-hmm. games that have something on the line. I like when. Teams have to strategize and go to their bench and actually play something called defense. So All-Star Weekend is a great chance for me not to watch any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's, they're trying to find ways to make it more competitive. 
if they do that, hey, I'm back in. Then I then I could get behind it. I, I can remember small star games growing up where um, it was intriguing, it was intense. Uh, it may not have been the world's greatest basketball, but at least at least the guys were putting in some effort on the defensive end when it was Bird and Magic. Um, even when Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, there's some there's some highlights from back in the you know 2000s and 90s where 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 defense was being played. So I, I don't know what kind of happened there. But it's um, it's turned into exhibition mode, and I I think really um, for for Ant and Cat, it's been tough to come out of that mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and it, it seems as though uh, that has been the case, and and playing that defense. And Finch has talked about that too. You know, I I find it surprising when some people say on on Twitter, which can be a wasteland, of course, as we all know. Um, but but some are blogs that are recognized and stuff, and and uh, talking about how they don't think Finch holds guys accountable everything I've heard and read, he does do that. Yeah, I don't know where that narrative comes from. I, I know. Can, I can attest to that firsthand. I mean, there's there's very little that he does not see and address immediately. Um, I obviously, I don't see the closed-door film sessions that they have, but, um, you know, I, I did see some of those during the pandemic because they used to hold them in the arena, and I would come to the arena early and sit in the crowd and, and be able to watch that. And he, he will pinpoint every little detail that, that mm-hmm. guys are messing up on it. Uh, don't think that Ant, uh, because of his stature, or Carl with his stature, that those guys escape scrutiny. No, those sometimes those guys are the most scrutinized, mm-hmm. um, and that's one thing that Anthony Edwards has always talked about with Finchie. He's like he'll be honest with me, and it'll hold me accountable. Um, there's no slippage there, and so no, I think um, I think Finch has got. I think that's what makes him a great coach. I, he's just got a great balance of a lot of different things that I've seen in coaches through the years whether it's X's and O's, whether it's dealing with players, whether it's managing his staff, whether it's creating an overall atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, all of those things um, I think make him a very good coach in this league, and I think you're seeing it. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know He's got to be in consideration for Coach of the Year by the time we get to the end of the season with the Wolves having ridden atop the Western Conference for so long. Uh, they've been atop the West this year. Uh, you could almost add up all the other years combined by this point, couldn't you? Oh yeah, it's um, it's more this year than in any of the other thirty-four years combined. Is that right? Um, yep, it's, yep. it's it's really amazing, and so it's been um, you know it, it's just been it's it's been an awesome season, and yet you kind of look at the standings, and OKC is right there, Denver mm-hmm. is right there, the LA Clippers are right there. Um, as good as it's been, you have to maintain and be even better over these final twenty-five games because. OKC, last time, I can't recall last time they lost. It was before the All-Star break. They're, they're on a heater. Mm-hmm. Every time you look up, teams are winning. And so that's what makes, you know, games like this week, um, you know, and, and the next two nights specifically, Spurs and, and Grizzlies, just even more, hugely important. Like, you can't have any slippage. It's now time to put the foot down, and it's not exactly the best time to be struggling with your offense. Wolves really need to get out and move the basketball tonight and get back Get back to, to, to being really efficient offensively because this is a really good shooting team. Um, the problem has been turnovers. They just, um, you know, especially at home, they have the worst turnover rate in the NBA. Um, mm. They average about two more turnovers at home than they do on the road for some weird reason. Mm. Uh, but they've got to get right because you've got some tough games coming up. You've got Sacramento on Friday, you've got the LA Clippers on Sunday, um, and then there's a home game against Portland before you go on the road for six in a row where you'll face the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, and you'll face Indiana and Cleveland, so some really good teams coming up. 
I'm sure it's a fine line to walk for Finch when, uh, let's say with Cat, for instance, who struggles with turnovers when he puts the ball on the floor and tries to go to the hole instead of, you know, it's, it's obviously easier just take a shot enough to avoid a turnover to shoot a three-pointer. But, uh, you know, the kickouts haven't been coming quite as frequently either. To get him to change an aspect of their game without seeming as though he's, you know, over the top on him either, there's got to be a little line they have to walk with these guys. Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want to crush some of the freedom, yeah. especially with a player like Cat and Ant that have, you know, unique offensive ability. And this is what makes them great players is their, is their ability to sometimes make something out of nothing or go one-on-one and simply beat a person in front of them. Um, but the issue is that you can't continue to – to, to rely on that time and time again. Mm-hmm. You can't do that 40 times a game coming down the floor because eventually the numbers will not uh, bear out in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, that favors the defense. And so, yeah, I think there is a line that you, you want to have them be creative and not you know, structure their offense so much that they don't have any creativity and freedom. But you've also got to rein things in when you, and have them recognize that when you have an important possession or things are starting to slide the other way, and maybe it's the middle of a quarter and someone hasn't touched the ball in a while or Jaden hasn't had a shot in six minutes, um, that, that there has to be some sort of recognition that, we, you know what, we need a good possession here. Let's not just come down and have zero passes and have me look for the shot. Uh, move the basketball around. It doesn't mean those guys can't shoot it at the end. You know, when there's five or four seconds left and then you go one-on-one, okay, you've exhausted the shot clock um, and nothing developed. That happens. And it's really nice to have those, those release valves at the end guys like Cat and Ankin that can make something at the end of a clock, uh, shot clock. Mm-hmm. But you got to first try, try to get something easier. It's so rare that Cat and, and Ant get easy looks themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you got to trust that offense and, and uh, you know, it, have them cut away from the ball, do some other things, and maybe they're the guys sitting out waiting for a catch-and-shoot opportunity. I mean, Ant is so good, and Cat is too, on wide-open threes, catch-and-shoot threes. The problem is getting enough of those shots for those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you referenced Jaden McDaniels, uh, you know, not taking many shots sometimes. And you look up and four shots uh, against Brooklyn. Now that was in a a winning uh, cause for the Timberwolves. But, you know, he is averaging just over 10 points, not quite two assists per game. Is that just him not seeing the ball enough? Uh, I mean, how is his offensive development coming along in your eyes? So when that ball doesn't move, one of the the guys that really gets hurt by that is Jaden. Because he relies on that ball movement to catch it, to give it up, to get another touch. And, and, and he's not a guy who has the ball in his hands naturally a, a lot to begin with. And so when you, when you have Ann Cat dominate these possessions, um, you know, Jaden's the odd man out. And mm. he has not been a great rebounder. I mean, he only averages about two rebounds a game. And there's so many games where you just look down at the box score. And, you know, midway through the game, he's got one rebound and no assists. And, um, you know, he's... He's got to find a way to be more consistent. He's still a very, very raw and young player. His fourth year, he's got the contract now. He's going to be here a long time. We know what he can do defensively, especially when he's not in fouling mode. That has been a problem for him uh, his entire career. Yes, he has difficult assignments, but he also, yes, commits a lot of fouls. He's up there in the top ten fouls per game, just like Cat is. Mm-hmm. And so um, he's got to find a way to, A, stay on the floor, and then, B, when he is on the floor, have some more impactful games. I mean, they need five or six rebounds from him. You'd love to see him register two or three assists, a steal and a block per game. Get mm-hmm. those numbers up because a lot of them are, are really, you know, really kind of low for a guy who's got his size. And, and you know, I know he's thin and not the, the strongest of guys, but with his length, I mean, 
he should be averaging more than just you know you know point nine steals and point five blocks and just under one assist and under three rebounds a game. Those are numbers I think that can that can certainly improve, and I think they will. I, I do think they will. I think this year has been tough for Jaden because of the two injuries he had. He really started the season behind an eight ball, and I just think um, you know he missed so much. He missed the entire preseason mm-hmm. essentially. Then he had a calf injury that. Um, he had the calf injury, and then he had the ankle injury, which sidelined him. You know, it was just a ton of times. I mean, but like basically like ten weeks uh, overall. It's just it, it was. It's really tough to then pick up the season and just be back to you know where everybody else has been playing now for three or four months. Mm-hmm. You're just starting out, and you're behind. Yeah, and you know, at the beginning uh, when I was watching him, I thought, man, he's worked on his handle in the off season. That appeared to me to really be uh, much better. Um, but the offensive creativity for him uh, still struggles. It it takes a little while to find that, especially with the low usage rate that he has been getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. But I think uh, I think it will come, and I think yep. it will. Uh, you know, like I said, once that ball starts moving, the offense ticks back up. I think he'll be one of the beneficiaries of that. Uh, Wembenyama, we get a chance to see him once again. It's it's fun to be in the Western Conference with so many uh, of these great young players there, and and his game is really developing. And yet the Spurs are eleven and forty seven. Uh, so is there like nobody else on the Spurs besides Wembenyama? You know, it's it's disappointing to see him have such a struggling season. I, I realize it's uh, you know they they didn't have a championship in mind this season, but I think. I don't think the Spurs did Wemby a great service this year. I mean, no. you've got him healthy basically the whole year too. Uh, look, nobody is immune to injuries, so it's coming. Uh, he's he's unfortunately going to miss some time for injuries, and now one you know it's been a, it's been a good year for him developmental wise, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have liked to seen Trey Jones starting a point guard the entire season or bringing somebody in who's a, even a better version of Trey Jones. Even though I'm a big, I'm a big Trey and Tyus Jones fan. Um, you know, I just think they did him a real disservice putting Jeremy Sohan at the point for the first two months of the season, um, and who didn't help Wemby at all. Um, and if this was if this was your goal all season just to develop Wemby, well, then put people around him that that can benefit him, that can help him. And a true point guard does that, not some experimental power forward at the at the point guard spot. So, and they didn't really bring in anybody in the off season, so they've been dreadful. I, I you know, I just wonder because I've seen losing seasons with the Timberwolves. I know what that does to young players, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's going to derail his career. I think there's still a great chance he he goes on and has tremendous success. But you know, I, I just don't like throwing away seasons of some of these players that are going to be great. Um, I think it, had they made some moves in the off season, surrounded him with some better talent, this could have been a much different season. Maybe they would have been fighting for a play-in spot, which would have been a great story for the league and I think the development of Wembenyama. But you know, they've been awful. They've lost more games by 25 points than anybody in the league. And when they do have close games, they've got one of the worst records in the league in, the, in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, they did come back and beat the Timberwolves in one of the three meetings. So this is a team the Wolves can't overlook because just a month ago down at their place, the Wolves blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead against this terrible team. So they've got to take care of business tonight. And they got to do the same thing against Memphis tomorrow night. That's a team that with all their injuries and no John Morant for, for almost all the season – you know, these have to be two wins. They have to be two wins, and I'd love to see them come out and be dominant early, really set the tone, move the basketball, get the offense flowing, and have the defense do its normal number one ranked defense type stuff. Yeah, it seems as though the Spurs went into this thinking, well, we'll tank again, and then we'll get another high draft pick and pair another uh, top-quality guy alongside Wembenyama. For the reasons that you just enumerated, it didn't seem like they really wanted to win in Wembenyama's first year. And the crazy thing about that, Todd, is that 
I haven't heard of a single player, a single player coming out in the, the, who's going to be ready for this next draft. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard a single name, and I don't follow college basketball. I kind of wait to see uh, them get to the league before I start to worry about guys and, and start to study them. Sure. But um, there's not a single name I've heard coming out of the draft that's anywhere close to what you know Wembenyama was, what Chet Holmgren was, yeah. what some of the other top picks there have been like in the last five to ten years. I think this is a really down year in the draft. But you know what? For certain teams, I, I almost think it doesn't matter. That's their only course of action. Mm-hmm. So you've got Detroit and Washington and San Antonio just losing like crazy, um, you know, in the hopes, I guess, of getting the number one pick. I, I'm not sure what that gets you if it's not a good pick. But, mm-hmm. again, what was the alternative for them? Um, I think there were alternatives for the Spurs, and I'm, I'm pretty disappointed they didn't go down that route. But, um, you know, last time Greg Popovich – was concerned about my opinion was would be the first time. So uh, I don't think he's losing any sleep over it as a, as a guy who's won five NBA titles in his time. Yeah, he would seem to be a guy that would know. He was kind of the the uh, father of uh, uh, of uh, resting players too of of the load management. He kind of began that, but he hasn't done that with Wembenyama, which I'm glad to see. He's played 52 games this year, so he's been a regular in the lineup. Yeah, I think they've probably, I haven't looked at this minute total recently, but yeah, you're right. There's no resting of games, but I, I think they are definitely concerned about not running him out there for 38 minutes a night, sure. um, yep. especially with so little at stake. But it's, um, yeah, San Antonio's just been, you know, you know, it's, it's, um, they started it, you're right, with Tim Duncan way mm-hmm. back in the day. And they, they, you know, they were good enough where they could also do that and get away with it, like still be good. And rest him, Duncan. I mean, they they sat. I think it was Duncan or David Robinson. Right when Duncan came aboard, I think it was Duncan at some point that they sat for an entire postseason mm-hmm. and just didn't even try to bring him back. When when there now it is it's believed that they could have pushed it and had Tim Duncan play, but they feel like they extended by doing that that they, they absolutely extended Tim Duncan's career mm-hmm. and made him more impactful for some of those deeper playoff runs that were to come. So, you know, you can afford to do that when you're an upper echelon team and, and still win at a high level like the Spurs were. Yeah, well, you, you, you are normally a road warrior, yet you had a week at home for the All-Star break, and now another week at home when the Dibbles are two weeks at seven straight games. Kind of nice to get to know your wife again a little bit. Yeah, it is, uh, <laughs> it's always interesting when you, when you have these, you know, seven-game homestand which was preceded by, you know, seven days at, at home for the All-Star break. Yeah. Uh, but then that just means you have a huge road trip coming up. And the Big Ten took over Target Center. I think men's and women's basketball is coming um, not this weekend, but the following weekend, mm-hmm. or le- probably the next two weekends. Um, and so that kicked the Wolves out on the road for, you know, I don't even know how long this next road trip is, two, four, six games I think it's almost two weeks straight on the road. Wow. Um, and so that's, you know, it's almost like a Spurs rodeo road trip where the rodeo takes over their arena um, and they're gone for two weeks or three weeks. Um, other, you know, the, the Lakers and Clippers have that with the Grammys taking over, uh, formerly the Staples Center. And so you, you have certain things like that that crop up during the year. And, you know, that's all you can think about is that when you do have a long road stretch, that means you've got a big home stretch coming up. When you have a long home stretch, well, that just means you're going on the road for a time. <laughs> but I will say late in the year, the Wolves only have three road trips left. One of them is the two-week monster, and then there's a one-game trip and a two-game trip. Oh. Uh, and just like that, your regular season is done. So yeah. most of the games, uh, the Wolves have played more road games at the All-Star break than any other team, which means they have the most home-heavy schedule uh, post-All-Star break. And so, you know, you play seven at home, six on the road, and then you got 10 of 14 
at home to wrap up the regular season. So Wolves have been good at home, um, not quite as dominant as they started the year, 17-2 and two to start. They've gone 3-4 and four since. They need to get back to that dominant ways, and they'll, if they do that, they're going to find themselves in a really good spot at the end of the regular season. Spurs tonight at 7, Grizzlies tomorrow night at 7. We'll have the games for you here on KWLM with the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton. Alan, thanks for joining us. You got it, Todd, anytime. That's the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.